back to another episode of the Young Black Suburban. I have a very two very special guests on today. Uh, one of the people that have, uh, one of the people I have on my show today uh, came to my gym, my place of business, uh, probably four or five months in. I don't know how long exactly, and we've been friends ever since. And he has brought his other half uh, around, and and she's been at the gym as well. We have Steve Weiss and Donna Lucessen. Is that's that right. You that's Woo! you got. It. <laughs> Yo, I'm good for chopping names off too. I'll, I'll kill a name. Um, so you know, usually we have people on that will either get us likes because they're famous, or you know, get a lot of views, or they have an interesting story. Um, today we have an interesting story, two interesting stories, um, and we're going to cover the topic of uh, recovery. Uh, from drug addiction. Now, Steve, I've had you on my show before when I was on uh, Fox, ES- Sports. Fox Sports. I was yeah. going to say ESPN. Uh, <laughs> Fox Sports. And uh, we've already talked about this. We actually talk about it once a week, maybe, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, about recovery. You know um, that I have a lot of, not myself, but my family, a lot of recovering addicts in my family. Um, so it has a big place in my heart. Um, to do things for the community and, and to just bring awareness. Um, you guys both have your own stories and, and, you know, you have been through some things and we're all here, made it through, so we know that, you know, addiction is not forever. You know, it can be for some people, but, you know, other people do make it on the other side. Um, what I want to start out with is just saying, you know, Steve, where are you from? Well, I uh, I grew up in the, in the Northeast, uh, around uh, Nazareth Hospital area, mm-hmm. and uh, okay. I live pretty close to there to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, not in the same spot, but maybe about a mile and a half from where I grew up when I was a kid. Okay. And, and Donna, are you from? I'm from Fountainville. Fountainville. Mm-hmm. Now, for people that aren't familiar with Fountainville, that's that... around uh, like being the Boulevard, seeing the Boulevard, okay. like a mile or below where the Sears and Robux used to be on the Roosevelt Boulevard. Okay, so that would would that be close to Alani at all? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's similar. Close. Yeah, okay, cool, yeah. Cool. So how was it? You know, growing up, I'm gonna say in Northeast Philly, North Philly. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. How was it growing up there? It was. Uh, you know, my father, uh, we moved from New York, but I was very young when we came to Philly. It was probably around 1964, 63, 64. Uh, really nice neighborhood, a lot of duplexes. I lived in an apartment building, you know, with my mother and father and two brothers. So, uh, you know, Longwood Manor apartments. And it was a tight knit uh, neighborhood. You know, a lot of friends uh, went to Farrell School, which was probably around three and a half blocks from where I lived. That was my uh, elementary school. And uh, then I went to uh, Woodrow Wilson uh, Junior High and then Northeast High School. Northeast High, so, right on yeah. top of that. Yep. Right, nice. How about you, Don? Oh, well, I, we originally lived in Germantown, but I was, you know, a child, a baby when we moved. So we moved to, like I said, Feltonville. Uh, we had, in Germantown though, they had a two bedroom house with five kids. So, you know, it was four, five kids in one bed, actually four, and then I slept with my mom and dad, right? right so, right, right. 
you know, we were very poor. We didn't have very much. My dad was a compulsive gambler. He really didn't work much. That was his addiction. Yeah. And uh, my mom was mentally ill. So um, my grandmother moved with us, and she helped buy a house in northeast Philadelphia. Mm. And I got to say that I had a really good um, childhood outside the home, mm. right? Not very much in the home. But the area was nice, you know, from what um, the I don't remember the neighborhood, you know, that my brothers and sisters grew up in. Right. But, you know, we had a neighborhood pool, we had a rec, we had a playground, we had dance, we had tap, you know, I had girlfriends right next to me. And at that time, we all played in the street. We played uh, spring, we played um, freeze tag, you know, we played dance tag, you know, we, we your mom yelled, at, yelled for you out the back window. Right. And then you came home. Right. You know, you didn't sit in the house and play videos, you know, at that time, we didn't have videos. It's, but It's funny that you uh, say that because my next question was gonna be, uh, do you see a difference between the neighborhoods that you grew up back when you were growing up, obviously, till today? Um, the neighborhood itself that I was in, or, or yeah. the neighborhood I'm in now? Well, just pretty close in there, yeah. I mean, Philadelphia, period. The... Well, I was just saying to my to somebody that I've never, my daughter, as a matter of fact, I've never really paid attention or witnessed the crime on the street like it is today. We mm -hmm. were bringing up the, the teens that beat the guy with the cone. Right. to death the other day I just saw it on the news she said mom that's because there weren't video cameras all over right there's been crime all over we've just never seen it like we have now mm -hmm. but even growing up in grade school I don't remember this kind of violence right. on the street there was violence but not like this and I do remember them saying in grade school at times you know if you go through the park where you know get have a buddy don't walk because there were uh, predators in the park at right. some time but I never remember it being like this. Yeah. Where, especially since we've just had two shootings around the corner from us. Mm -hmm. You know, because you always feel safe, well, I do anywhere where I live. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we haven't had any real danger. But now it's like right around the corner right. from our home. Right. So. You feel the same way? Uh, I've definitely seen the change, um, you know, uh, with the violence. You know, we're close to Mayfair, uh, close to Longcrest. You know different neighborhoods mm -hmm. and in the neighborhood that we're in now you know right we're at welsh and a boulevard things, mm -hmm. things have changed i mean i love where i live right great neighbors you know good people but uh you know you, you have to be aware of your surroundings and even when you think you're aware you just don't know right you know so yeah things have changed yeah yeah and um you know with children um as well like you were saying Used to get called into the house um, by your parents and stuff at the back door but now we're calling our kids because they're just in the living room uh, playing on their video games you know um it's kind of weird because we still have you know the climate out there like as far as like things are not good you know even if you're being raised inside your house um somehow kids get involved with the wrong things still um, do you guys remember when that started happening for you uh, you started going in I, I, I know Steve <laughs> he, he's told me uh, his story before um, I don't know your story uh, you mean going in the wrong directions with drugs and alcohol yeah well I was 
I think I was in like seventh grade and my friends were smoking pot. And I, I you know, I smoked pot. I, that I, was the gateway? Yeah, I never even liked it. Really? I hated it. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like it at all. And then, you know, we started smoking uh, angel dust, right? And that was like, and if you think about it, what are you, like 12, 11, 12, 13? You know, and the funny thing is I had addiction. You were 12? Probably 12 or 13 in seventh grade. Ah, but I came from a family who already had addiction in it. Right. Like my dad was a gambler, my mom was mentally ill, and my oldest brother, you know, was shooting dope in Germantown, you know? And then my sister had trouble too, and so I saw it. Right. So you never think like yeah, you're yeah, going yeah. to do it, you yeah. know? But then someone talked about this the other day where their older brother gave them drugs and I do remember my older brother giving me cocaine one day and I was I was young you know probably so I didn't tell mom or dad what we were doing you know mm. and I never thought about that and then my sister she would say if you want to get high get high at home with me so we would smoke pot we would do lines of you know meth at the age of 13 probably not not meth at 13 but right. probably like 15 or 16 yeah yeah that was a really really like to think about that today mm-hmm. you know but growing up in that and knowing better and then you do it anyway right well at a certain point it becomes a habit you know it's something that like uh part of your life too you know you, you grew up in it um i grew up in it my family both my parents uh did it but i went the opposite way um you know i saw them doing some crazy stuff and i'm like nah, i'm not you know so it probably works you know for some families some people are attracted to it some people aren't um i went the opposite way steve do you remember your first uh experiences yeah. with drugs yeah and the crazy thing was i remember back in uh, elementary school they had a poster on the wall it said this is a drug addict then it was a guy with leather jacket on and he had burnt fingers and he had red eyes and a runny nose and track marks and this and that and I remember looking at that picture you know and said I'll, ne- I'll never be like that I'll right. never do any of that and uh, I really had no intention of it at that point um, we used to there was like a hangout near Bell's Corner a lot of guys used to hang out they were the bad kids and you know they would get course of beer and I wasn't really into drinking. I never liked the taste of it right. um, at that point. And uh, one night we were out, and I was hanging out with those guys, and someone said, hey, I bet you I can get you high. I said, no, you can't. And, uh, I said, you know, it was back and forth, and finally, you know, I went over to the person's house. I was, I was like 14 years old and uh, smoking hash out of a pipe. Right. I don't know how many hits I took it out of the pipe but eventually I started to feel different I said whoa I got I got a little bit scared you know the way I was feeling and then I remember I was like running home it was probably yeah I was 14 I'm running and then I started to get hungry and I remember someone said well when you smoke this stuff you're probably going to want to eat so I went and got uh, there was a place called Jerry's Cheesesteaks which is not there no more, right, right. near Farrell School. And I ordered a cheesesteak and it tasted really good. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, you know, I, I went home and it, it's like, really, I guess addiction, it made me feel different. And then I had to try it again. Mm-hmm. 
and it wasn't long before it was just smoking that I got addicted to. Right. Nothing. Nothing more. Nothing less. It was. It was the marijuana, the hash, and I really enjoyed it. Right. And uh, did you feel like it stopped you from being productive right away, or were you uh, still going to school? Still, you know. Uh, as far as school, um, I wasn't a good, good, good student. I never applied myself. You know, my my father <clears throat> didn't have a great uh, bedside manner. Because I wasn't like him, you know. He was a straight-laced guy, went to college and all that. And I wasn't a guy to read, and he would let me know about it, and not in a nice way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I guess I rebelled, as a lot of uh, young teenagers do. But you know, I'm a young man at that time, and it's like it's funny. We were just talking. Yeah, you know, when you're young, you know everything. He could tell you the right way to do it, and, and it's like, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. And then it was like, I, I resented my father because, you know, just the way I was talked to. Mm-hmm. So I probably would have been great in school had I, had I took, maybe took a different approach right. and I applied myself. Uh, but unfortunately I didn't. I graduated, you know, uh, nevertheless. Uh, but as far as being productive, I always worked. Right. I always worked because I wasn't, like that every day, I'm not going to do anything. I had to, you know, I had to fend for myself, basically. So. Yeah. And, and uh, um, how about you? I hear that you have a great job. <laughs> People brag about you all the time. I, well, I really know, I didn't cross the line. I didn't use with my pregnancies, right? Um, I really didn't cross the line um, until, see, because I lived in a very abusive relationship with another, you know, the father of my children who was an addict. And so he really didn't work. All he did was get high. Mm-hmm. So I was stealing diapers, stealing food. And when we would get a script, we would split it and I would sell mine, you know, for right. diapers and food and formula. So I wasn't using mine because it was the way to, you know, feed my kids, right? right? right. So it was so crazy. And then I was pregnant with two and he was very abusive and I got pregnant with a third. And I said, man, I'm never going to make it out of here alive. Like getting out of the door with one kid and two kids, I'm never going to make it out, you know? And the last time he hit me, he split my head open and I was bleeding and he knocked my teeth out. And I'm like, you won't make it out alive or your kids won't make it out alive. So I got the courage to leave. And um, it wasn't until after I left and we separated, but we were in addiction like, with each other, codependent, right? I can't live without him, he can't live without me. So we kept on getting back together, you know, how you have sex, get back together, break up, have sex, get back to break, you know? And uh, he got hurt and was doing heroin. So I was, me being who I am, well, I'm not taking you to Kensington Avenue unless you give me some, right? And he was like, please, I can't give you any. You're the parent of my ch- children. Like, they need one good parent. Right, right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You want a ride, you need some money, you're going to give me some. So that was my introduction. And then after that, and I got to say, he begged me not to do it, but I did it. And so after that, that was like my big downfall into crossing the line. It was very difficult. And then I picked up crack cocaine, which is like terrible. They're both terrible. And the lie is that I would tell myself, you know, you can't smoke crack because crack takes everything 
at that moment, right? But I stayed out longer on the on the dope because you could do you could do a shot or a snort or whatever and be okay for the day or the next day. But that crack was like 24/7, like a like a mouse going in circles. So I stayed out a lot longer, telling myself that lie, you know, until there was no more lying to myself till the, till the last time of what happened. Mm-hmm. So you kind of reached your rock bottom at a point, um, and, and that made you realize that you know this isn't the way to go. Well, what happened was my both my parents were gone. My sister passed away, um, and all the people that enabled me and helped me were gone, and it was just me. So I was 50 years old, and I had DUIs. I wound up in jail. I never in jail before, and um, nobody would take me. Right. My kids wouldn't let me come live with them. My right, friends wouldn't right. let me come live there, and I had to go to a uh, recovery house. And so I'm in I'm in the detox, and they're, you know, I'm on Ativan or something like that. I think Xanax, and for my anxiety. And I'm telling the doctor, like, I can't take any of this in the recovery house. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, well, you got to come to the window, the medication window, and tell us. Mm-hmm. I said, if I come to that window, I'm taking that medication. Right. So I'm yelling, I'm not coming for the medication. Right. And it was at that moment that I knew, you know, that I wasn't going to use, mm-hmm. like, at that time. Right. I also wound up on a psych med prior to that detox that put me in a full manic episode. So my face was distorted, and I was manic, being my body was flailing. Like, did you ever see Linda Blair on the bed? You never saw, what's that movie? The Exorcist. You never oh, saw the Exorcist. That? Yeah, so you yeah, ever yeah, see yeah, how yeah, Linda yeah, where, well, my it? body was like that. Right, And then right. I got catatonic. Right. So I was in restraints for four days before they could restrain me. Wow. And so I remember going at, at, at the psychiatric hospital you know, because there was nothing left up here. Like my brain reset from the meds, mm-hmm. you know, it was blank. Right. I said, if I ever can like say one and one is two or read a sentence, I'm not going to use anymore. Right. And that was my rock bottom. It's crazy because I've heard that many times that people have like a reset. Um, I think Steve, you told me um, that, you know, it took you a while to come back you started not to use because uh, your mind just doesn't work the same. It you doesn't. Know. Can you tell me your experience? Well, my, my experience, yeah. Uh, you know, well, I told you my gateway when I was 14. Yeah. And I always worked and it wasn't, uh, it, the marijuana didn't destroy me uh, as I thought it, it, it did. You know, uh, but if I look back, it probably stunted my growth in a whole, a whole different aspect. But the only thing I had that was installed with, with, you know, with my father and my grandparents was to work hard. And work hard I did. And I did that all the way up until I was, you know, 49 when I got, you know, hurt at work. And uh, then the opiates really came in. There were other drugs up to that point. But, right. you know, weekend, it was like the weekend warrior and all the craziness, which I thought was normal. Right. But now here I am, I'm not working anymore. I'm working as comp. I needed surgeries. I'm getting my drugs from the doctors. You know, it's it's like, it's so easy. I like the feeling that the opiates were giving me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was taking away, the, I was in pain at that time. And I don't know when the pain left, honestly, because 
it was more or less the drugs took over and uh, you know everyone I was involved with was in the opiate world so even friends that I've had from years there everyone's doing it the girlfriends uh, even the uh, the ex-wife um, everyone was doing something so it was so easy for me and then it was an everyday thing I'm not working uh, I'm not going to the gym no more mm -hmm. uh, it was the tele television and chopping up pills and chewing up fentanyl patches and uh, basically a lifelong of I used to keep myself in pretty good shape when I was younger right you know uh, thanks to you I got myself about as good at as I get in shape for a 66 year old man. You do all the work. Though. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's, it, it gave me an outlet. Right. So I appreciate that. Do you remember how many years, uh, do you have an estimated time from when you felt like you started until you started your recovery? How many years do you think you were in that state? Well, you know, uh, on the 18th of this month, I'll have six years. Six years. I've known you for four. Right. Pretty much. Yeah, so, I mean, when, when you met me, you know, I still had issues. Uh, but, you know, it was a slow process. And that was when I met you, it was like almost two years into my recovery. Right. Uh, but those first two years, uh, it was like taking baby steps. You know, and the, and the people, in you know, in the 12-step program I'm involved in, uh, you know, helped me along the way. You know, from coming, you know, because I was in a world of depression. Yeah. And I, I was never a depressed individual, but where it took me at the end, mm -hmm. when, like Donna said, I couldn't read, I couldn't have a conversation, I couldn't start the car, I couldn't, right. I couldn't figure out how to turn on the washer, the dryer. Right. Everything was like everything that we take for granted mm -hmm. that you don't think about. I couldn't do. Now, when you're in your addiction. Were you able to wash your clothes and, and, you know, was it only after you started recovery that your brain started to change? Well, what I, what I noticed, you know, I, it was a nine year run for me from okay. like when I was 50 to 59 mm -hmm. and I was able to function, you know, uh, the girlfriend or the ex-wife and they'd come over, they would do my wash or whatever. I could still do it if I had to. But they would do it, you know, they'll cook and all and so on and so forth. Um, but like, I would say the last six, seven months of me using, I started to notice changes. I never saw myself like shrinking, you know, the muscle atrophy, the brain atrophy. But like the last, you know, last time I saw my father was in March of, I guess, 2016. And that last visit, you know, I was really, really, in, you know, fentanyl every day. And that stuff was dropping people right, like flies right, right. to this day. But I had such a resistance. And uh, I noticed, like, when I would walk, I, start, I, I was shuffling, like just shuffling. Not picking your feet up. Not picking my feet up. I couldn't because there was no... I, 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 know why now you know my I had no muscle in my legs right. my arms I was I saw my ribs and uh, it was an effort for me to hold just like a bag of food from the supermarket and uh, just ever everything that like man I used to walk you know I used to be a mover right. you know uh, 20 something years ago 
walk up a 300 pound, you know, arm was up four flights of steps. I couldn't do any of that. And yeah, it was, it was, I was down to ground zero. And what happened to the muscle part was happening to my mind part. It was all happening at the end. So I was slowly <clears throat> fading away, um, being forgetful, mm-hmm. you know, uh, ju- just doing crazy stuff that wasn't normal. Right, right. Like if you ever saw someone on a bus screaming or standing out in the street talking to himself, mm-hmm. well, I became that guy. Do you think you can recognize that when you see other people doing it? Do you say, oh, hundred percent must be drugs because when I look at someone like that I, and I guess it is mental as well but I think well that guy has mental issues you know I don't necessarily think of drugs being the issue it, well I mean a lot of times it is but you know some people do have mental issues yeah, yeah, yeah. and and drugs will give you mental issues yeah. but you can look at a guy on Kensington Avenue and be like, oh, pretty, well, if they're on Kensington <laughs> Avenue yeah, most they're likely like they're most likely uh they're in their addiction and Kensington Avenue today is is uh, it's like you'd see a horror, like a horror movie yeah uh, it's just it's just unbelievable if you ever take a ride down there just, and, and you yeah. look just keep going but I'll tell you what you're gonna see sights that you just it's 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 heartbreaking right to right. see you know uh, women who were once good-looking and guys that were once functional that don't function anymore so i i understand and they're caught up in the grip yeah um do you see the way he's standing you could go down kensington avenue and watch somebody stand like that yeah and then like melt in the ground and they come back up and they melt in the ground and they come back up i think they're doing tai chi but you you just it's it's unimaginable what the tranquilizer does to people so if you're watching you can't see jordan or he's stretching oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> behind, the, behind the camera. Sorry about um, that. But I get exactly what you're saying. Um, yeah. You know, a, a lot of people are doing things that just aren't normal. Right. Well, I saw somebody yesterday. He was doing exactly what you're saying. I looked at him. He's screaming, he's yelling, he's fighting with this person that's not in front of him. And then he walks into the giant, gets a soda, Walks up and pays for it, you know, to self checkout, and walks out. Like nothing. Like nothing. Yes. I'm like, so he had the yeah, wherewithal yeah, to yeah. walk in, but as soon as he came out, he was doing this and yelling at per, you know, like, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it has to be right. mental illness and maybe drugs because there are a lot of people in Center City, elderly people, that are not on drugs, that are just mentally ill, that right, walking right. around doing that. Yeah, yeah. And that's also scary. Yeah. You know, that's, a, that's really like, you know, you don't feel comfortable going into work, you know. And by the way, you said I have a good job. I do have a good job. Yeah. You know well, what? that's what I heard. <laughs> uh, you know what? By the grace of God, like, I kept that job. You know, yeah. all throughout my career, I've been there, like, maybe 20 years, maybe 21 years. And um, people liked me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was likable. And I always was usually, like, honest. Like, I always had good supervisors who tried to mentor me and help me. Well, I had some that weren't, but, you know... I just had a likable personality where like ask for help, you know, and they looked out for me, you know what I mean? And um, I was on maintenance at some times, like on methadone where I worked mm-hmm. as well. And that kind of like kept my focus and, and allowed me to go to work to function. I wasn't on like 300 milligrams where they put you today. Mm-hmm. I was on like 10 milligrams. I had a prescription. 
so that I didn't, you know, go down the way and it like took the edge off and I was able to work, right. you know, for some time. And, and that allowed me, like I said, to like feed my kids, not use. And so it like really helped me at that point, even though some people think that maintenance is like a terrible way to go. Right. But what I have to say about that is have a kid and have them die and be in the ground or have your kid be functioning somewhat and yeah, alive yeah, and be on Suboxone or maintenance. That's just my perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. for me. You know, other people don't feel that way, but right. I feel that way. Now, why I didn't use it successfully, because I, you know, I start using more after that. I had that breakdown at work. Mm -hmm. They literally, I was, this is when I was on that psych med. I was at the window telling them I want to jump out the window. And they, they moved my, my, my desk away from the window. And they sat me next to my supervisor. They, you know, while I was in the hospital getting treatment, they moved all my stuff, my pictures, and I came back to work and I said, well, like, what do you expect from me? You know, and they were so good to me, you know, just get better, just get better, right. just get better, just get better, you know, and I would work and do what I could. And then because they really helped me, I was able to like be the best that I am today as right, a supervisor, right. yeah. I'm a supervisor today. Nice support system. For, yeah, uh, yeah, and people. I have a friend today. She says, "I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you did it." You know, yeah. and uh, somehow because it didn't get um, as bad till the last, right. to the end. Right. You know, like I had said, yeah. no, and it has taken me twenty six years. You've asked twenty six 26 years, years to get six years. Yeah, nice. Congratulations. Twenty six years. Six years. Yeah, I'll yeah. have it August sixth. Right. Who, who, whose birthday comes first? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you but the funny part is, I, I, here's the funny part though, I did go in the hospital on July 20th, okay. right? But I didn't count my time till after because I had still taken that last, you know, uh, medication before till I got out. So I started, right. you know, right, right out. Otherwise we would be almost exactly the same. You uh, mentioned earlier that, you know, you had to reset your brain and everything. Do you remember uh, the day where you were like, wow, I'm going to do this, like, I can actually overcome what's going on. I remember bits of being in Frankfurt Hospital and being, um, what do you call that when you're tied to a bed? Restraint. Restraint. Yeah. I'm in restraints. Trying to get up to go to the bathroom, and I couldn't because I was strapped down. And my mind was going a million miles a minute because of the psych med, you know, and probably the other meds, too, that I was on, the other drugs. And... I don't, I, I don't remember all that part, but I, I do remember when they put me in Episcopal Hospital. <sighs> you know, when you're in a rehab and you're in a psych ward, you don't have nothing to do but walk up and down the halls, walk up and down the halls and watch TV and, you know, and the doctor were coming in to talk to me. And he, I had a really good psychiatrist who found two medications for me that like really worked for me. And I, at that point I was like, if I could, like I said, if I could ever, think again or talk again and I remember I was in the therapeutic room and I was doing a seek and find somebody would send me recovery seek and finds like with powerlessness surrender you know all kinds and he said oh look at you like look at you yeah. and I thought wow it's working like I didn't even know my brain was working you right, know right. it was so hard and when he said that I'm like yeah as long as you don't pick up and at that time, after I was released, I was taking the train, the L back and forth to work, you know, and you're on Kensington Avenue. Mm -hmm. So I would read the Just for Today from the basic text, Just for Today. I, don't, I, can't, right, right. I can't reiterate it, but say it so they know what I'm talking about. 
Just for the day, I would tell myself my thoughts. You know, I I remember reading a story of a guy and his son, and the guy was a recovering addict, and, you know, his son was always worried about him using again, and he uh, asked his dad, you know, "Um, are you going to use again? And he told his son, I don't know if I'm not ever going to use again, but I'm not going to use today. True. think that that's kind of where you were going to I'm not, I'm not sure um but he said it helped him in his life because he was going to quit his job and his dad told him just don't quit for one more day yeah. and it ended up turning out for him you know starting his own business and, and making it because he just didn't quit that one day and tried another day and yeah, a lot of people say a lot of people say I'll use tomorrow. I do that. I'll, I, there's not with drugs, but with food. I can eat it tomorrow if I want. <laughs> you don't have to eat that whole pizza today. You can have save some for tomorrow. Like yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to talk yourself into the solution of recovery, right. even with the food as we were talking about. Right. Because um, that's something that I always think about too. I'm like, I can't even stop eating steak if I wanted to. You know, so to actually have a substance that you have to stop from, that has to be a hell of a uh, feet. I always look at someone who has six months clean, a year clean, uh, a year and a half. It's like it's such an amazing thing that you can actually restrain yourself from, you know, doing something so powerful. Um, I guess you would think as the days go on, you start to get easier and easier, or does it not? Is it still hard? <laughs> well, is that a hard question to answer? Yeah, it's just complicated because you know, it, I don't have the desire to use anymore. I don't have any cravings. I don't have any any of that desire to like mess my life up right. at all. You know, I have such a blessed life today, where I know putting a chemical in my body would just like totally destroy it. Um, in that sense. It's easier because you're not fiending for the drug and you see the beauty and the blessings and the gratitude that you have in your life. But on the other hand, there's other manifestations like we just talked about. The food, a lot of people go to sex, a lot of people go to shopping, a lot of people fill that void with so many other things. So, you know, once you put down the drug, you have to fill it up with other things. So in that sense, it's a little more, it's harder because you now have to apply that to all areas in your life, unless you become unmanageable. There's a lot of people that are unmanageable with other areas, and mind has to be, has to be, is food at the moment. Is that that what it is? Yeah. But you guys do a lot of other things to uh, keep yourself healthy, and and, you know, to, these are, it's not even has anything to do with, you know, substance abuse. It's things that all human beings should be doing. Agreed. what are some of the things that you do, Steve, that, you know, um, helps you take care of yourself? Uh, well, I, I had... Besides coming to the gym. Well, yeah, and it, it was part of, like, um, my brother told me you have to reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to start doing something different. And one, well, all right, we're not going to talk about the gym because we've talked about yeah. it. No, you can but, talk about well, it because I you're... Mean, you know, but, we, we, but, that, but that was one. Mm-hmm. Another thing was, um, you know... Riding motorcycles again, that's something I haven't done since 1988. Right. And I had a, I had a bike back then, and then I sold it, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason. And then I bought one in 2017. Mm-hmm. 
and I started riding, you know, with a bunch of guys, good, you know, good people, different friends, how to get away from the old people, places, and things right, that they right, said. Right. So that was another outlet. Um, you know, um, people in the in the in the twelve step program that I'm with, one of them likes to ski. So let's go skiing. I said, okay. I used to ski. I was never, you know, a great skier, but I yeah. was able to ski. And so I tried it again and I enjoyed it. So, it, you know, it, it's like different outlets, different yeah, hobbies. Yeah. You have to find out ho uh, hobbies. You know, I. I get you to go bowling with me. And I bowled. I'm terrible at it. Yeah. But, you know, but, I, but that's another outlet. That's right, another right, thing right. to do. And then, then you know, then you know I met when I met Donna in early recovery, and uh, you know little by little we started hanging out more and more, and we started doing things together. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, one of my presents, and I don't know if it was a birthday present. I'm really bad at remembering Valentine's. Right? Valentine. You know, one of them was uh, a flying lesson. Okay. So I never got behind. And you did it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I remember that. Yeah. 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 Love was in the air. <laughs> yeah, so we, you know, right, I, I got, yeah, she got in the back of the plane. Yeah. I said, yeah, she's just as nuts as me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I, I flew the plane maybe for a couple minutes. Right. You know, but nevertheless, that yeah, was yeah, that was my yeah. first time there. I, I'd like to do it again. Um, another one was going uh, to the Pocono 500 mm -hmm. and uh, getting, getting strapped in a, a NASCAR with right. a professional driver. That was a birthday present. That was a, okay. Well, she, she'll remember, have all the memory. That's that's why women are the best for yeah, remembering. Because I am not that guy. Oh, do you? Uh, so that was another thing. Look at yourself as like a thrill seeker. Um, to an extent. I mean, now it's within my reasoning. I don't want to jump out of an airplane. Right. When someone else may, you know, or yeah, yeah. I don't want to climb up the face of a rock right, where, right, you know, right. where there's other people who will do that or jump or base jump. Right. It's not me, but so you have your limits. Yeah, I have my limits, but nevertheless, it's a thrill for me. Mm -hmm. and, and, and one of the things that was a thrill was zip lining. Mm -hmm. We went to the Poconos uh, with a bunch of friends in right. recovery and I tried that out and it was a little bit scary, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I did it nevertheless, right. you know, and uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, but there's extremes of that too. You know, you can go to another country and be up on top of a mountain, and, yeah. you know, a mile into a cavern. I don't know. You know, it, it's it's. Well, that's, you know, that's where I was trying to pick your brain and see, you know, how extreme um, you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but nevertheless, or even getting into the boxing ring. Yeah, you know, and, and checking that out. You know, that was a little. I think it was his first or second day we sparred each other. Uh, and that's when I knew he was nuts. That was scary <laughs> when he did the fight. Or the exhibition. When yeah. he did the expedition. And I, and I, and I shouldn't have been in there, but nevertheless, I said, why not? That's almost like running with the bulls, I guess. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. There in front yeah. Of the crowd. And you're going to get hit with the horns. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure, with no experience. Yeah. That's for sure. and, we, and his whole home group came to support and watch. Right, right. You know? And um, Steve is really a miracle, right? Mm -hmm. But first of all, when I met Steve, not to take the no, conversation no, no. but when I met me. Steve I was in a recovery house and you know Steve just wanted to be um, friends with people and part of and you know he said you know I got my own house and my own car and I said 
care what you have, because I have nothing. Right, right. Like, I'm in a recovery house at 50 years old. Like, this is about me mm-hmm. trying to stay clean. Right. You know? And but what happened is we became really good friends, mm-hmm. you know? And I watched Steve, like, get his mind back, right? Little by little. And it was so exciting, like, to be in the front row mm-hmm. to watch somebody who yeah, was yeah. so beat up, right, yeah. like I was, who we can't even clean, cook, make a meal, go to the supermarket. He didn't want to go to stores in the beginning because you felt uncomfortable. You know, I still, I can remember getting out trying to food shop. It was like, it was like horrendous because you yeah. don't know how to do anything. Yeah. But, you know, we would go to meetings. He would pick me up. We would hang out. We would go down the shore. And it was just like uh, not a lot of thinking. But one day he gets in the car and he starts talking about stocks. And I'm like, wow, his mind's starting to work. Mm. It was like so exciting. It might not be exciting to anybody else, but it was exciting to see that he was coming the thought yes, process was right, coming right. too. Yeah, that's what was you know? You know, just like I'm yeah. thinking about other things and just yeah. being trapped in my own mind. To me, um, I relate everything to boxing. You know, it sounds like you watched him when he came into the gym his first day to where he won the championship. You know, that's what it sounded like. Exactly. Right your mouth. Um, it's also amazing to see that he jumps out of bed and does 100 push-ups, 100 <laughs> sit-ups, yeah. outside, inside, like, wherever he is he works out and believe it or not like I joined the gym with my daughter a few years ago she said all she wanted was for me to join the gym with her for Christmas I'm like I don't want to go but like if that's what you want and we were building our relationship my daughter and myself you know and we got close through that because she got clean I got clean she got clean then she left before COVID and then I got in during COVID I you know stayed with Steve and then he was like working out every day. So what else did I have to do? I got in shape, you know, and like that's one of the things that we have in common. We talk about what we eat, you right, know, right, how, right. you know, how we overeat, how we yeah, work yeah, out. Yeah. And like when you see someone our age trying to get in the best shape of our lives, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's amazing that we beat ourselves up with the drugs all those years. Right, right. And now you can really recover mentally and physically. Right, right. You know. Mind, body, and soul, you guys gotta do it all. Yeah. Did you did you mention that uh, you had a daughter that was also in recovery? I do. I have yeah. a daughter who, um, you know, is in recovery, and we started a podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I met my mother sober, and the thing on that is that I got sober, and then, then she got sober, and so when she would come to meetings and she would hear, you know, that I'm loving and I'm caring, that you know all these great things about me, she'd say. Do they know who my mother is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. this is the woman that mother effed me all over the place, that sent me to school without any food, that chose men over me, that, you know, didn't provide any stable home for me. Mm-hmm. You know, do they really know who she is? Mm-hmm. And I would say, well, they know who I am, but they love me regardless, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what happens when you're in the program. Yeah, yeah. Like, you start to change and you start to care about people, not be so selfish and self-centered. Definitely. You know, so... Yeah, it's 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 um it's funny because I'm saying to her the same things today that my father said to me, and it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Because yeah. my dad would say, "This is going to happen. That's going to happen. This is going to happen. If you don't do X, Y, and Z, this is going to happen." Right. And I'd be like, "But I got to make my own mistakes." Right, right, right. And it's so painful 
you know, and, and I'm told I don't have a crystal ball, so hopefully I'm wrong, you know. But uh, it's definitely um, can be, uh, what's the word, codependent, like you said, because right, right. when she was using and I was using, so like she would need some medication and I would give her some, you know, out of van. And then I was like, I never wanted that for myself. Right. Who would think you would want to give your kid out of van? And then she would tell me that, oh, yeah, I was manipulating. I'm like, you were, I didn't even know she was manipulating. <laughs> I was just really thinking she really needed it. And she's like, well, of course I needed it. Yeah, but, you know, thank God we're not in that today. Right, like today, right. well, we work out, you know what I mean? We have a podcast and uh, we talk about our food. She don't like to hear about my food all day long. <laughs> she's like, if you tell me what you ate one more time, tell it to Steve. Don't tell it to me. You know? How many uh, years old does she have? She's coming up on six as well. Six, wow. So I just wanted to add uh, yeah. a friend of mine, and I was talking about him earlier to you. Mm-hmm. He's celebrating 40 years clean right, today. Right. And, uh, you know, when I came into the program almost six years ago, uh, you know, he helped me, you know, uh, find a place to go. And, and, uh, and I'll say, Gary, he doesn't look like he's 40 years sober as far as his age. He doesn't look like he has a life before oh, 40 years well, I, I, I mean he, he's been recovered longer than I've been born right uh, uh, but he still looks he looks good you know he, he well, looks young yeah I mean you know um, he had a he had a rough teenage years mm-hmm. maybe into his early 20s but uh, and that's a story for him to tell right you know, it's not for me to tell his story right. but the fact is is that it's all it's like a changed person that became a family man you know a, a productive member of society you know doing the right thing you know, doing it the right way but when he saw me and he knows me from the 60s he didn't know if he was going to ever have his friend back and here i am you know he's helping me go to meetings and he said to me one day he said steve he said i really didn't know if i was going to get you know that old Steve back and I didn't know it either you know I just kept doing what they told me to do was keep coming back keep going to the meetings hanging out you know with the people in recovery Mm -hmm. which is what I did and like I said it was a slow slow process with everything right and all all I wanted to do was get my mind back right right. it wasn't really anything else but that wasn't worth being on this planet when you can't think and enjoy and comprehend. That was my take. Mm-hmm. And but I saw, you know, little baby steps. So that was the that was the hope. Right. And other people like Donna was telling you about me when she saw me. So did the other people in in the rooms that I made friends with. Mm-hmm. He would always say, "Make meetings, make friends." Right. And people made friends with me. I made friends with everybody. And not only did they see it in me, I see it in other people. You know, people who came in just as beat up, who who stuck around, mm-hmm. who wanted to find a different way of life. Right. That old way, which didn't work. Right. I don't think there are any successful using. You know, because <laughs> I've tried it every which way. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. tried it every which way. But if you, you, when you're when you're a, an addict, it it'll destroy your life, destroy exactly. other people's lives. So, so that was that's the good news. That's the hope mm-hmm. that if you you know do what you're supposed to do, and like everyone else in the past who has stayed clean, mm-hmm. 
not that we're all fallible. You know, right, you right, know, right. anybody could go back and like in a week, if I, if I put that first one in me, mm-hmm. in a week I could be right back where I was or in the grave. Exactly. Or in a mental institution. Yeah. So, um, and Donna, earlier you said that, you know, maintenance uh, is frowned upon by some people mm-hmm. and all that. Um, I know I've heard that there's a lot of uh, different teachings here, different sayings here, certain things are acceptable to certain people, certain things aren't. What would you say to somebody who is thinking about going to recovery, but political things like that are stopping them from going in? Um, I remember sitting in the detox and rehab and telling the counselor that it's not the NA way. Like, maintenance is not the NA way. That's not like, um, they're a program, you know? Mm-hmm. And he said to me, like, sometimes there's not a right way or the wrong way. It's really individualized. You know, I would say that never give up hope, mm-hmm. you know, to try to try to do it without maintenance Mm -hmm. but at that time in my life I was just getting divorced my mental illness was rampant Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to stop using and function at all so when I was put on it it gave me a little piece of sanity Mm -hmm. to be able to take my psych meds to be able to start processing and what it does is it allowed me to see a more stable type of life Mm -hmm. you know and then eventually you wean off of it, and then you ease into society. That was for me. Yeah, That's what. Yeah, yeah. That, now some people it doesn't work for. Yeah, yeah, you know. And I'm not talking about where they give you 400 milligrams of methadone and you're zonked out. Mm-hmm. You know. And I do think that the um, the government and the, and the political politicized. It's a, it's a big money maker. It is a big money maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is also, if you use it properly, um, with other, um, what do you call it, community? Mm-hmm. You know and other doctors and, and people in your life and support. It's better than standing on Kensington Avenue getting taken over by um, four dudes who are carrying you away and having their way with you because you're, you're, you're zonked out from the dude. Right, I've seen right. it happen. You right. know, It's better than um, your, I would say it was better than burying my kid mm-hmm. because she, she couldn't even get clean off of maintenance, you know? Right, right. Um, and maybe seeing a semblance of life, you know? Yeah. yeah that's so that's... I, I'm, I'm for it if yeah, yeah. it's used correctly. Well, what about the recovery program itself? Um, you know, some people are even scared to go into an NA meeting or an AA meeting. Um, what do we say to those people that need that little extra push? We say keep coming back. Yeah. You know, it, dep- it actually depends on who you are, right? Yeah. So I've always been open, open to people who have been on maintenance because I was one of them. You know, and I have I have a sponsor who said, "Listen, it's not the way that I got clean, but it's your way, and yeah, I'll help yeah. you, I'll support you." You know, so there have been some changes being made. Um, you know, in the program, and I think some of us are a little more compassionate and understanding, mm-hmm. and some aren't. And what you do is you you when you see somebody, when I see somebody on that, mm-hmm. I gravitate and I pull in with the people who are supportive. Right, you know, right, right. and give them the love that they need to eventually, if they if they can get clean off of it, they do. Right. You know, and then we kind of just like keep them in our circle. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. and say, listen, this is what works for you. You know what I mean? Everybody's individual. Mm-hmm. Because those same people who might say that maintenance is wrong, 
they're 400 pounds. Like, what are they <laughs> yeah. doing in their recovery? Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, are they really working the program in all areas of their lives? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or are they gambling? Are they working in all areas of their lives? Are they sexing? Are they, like, yeah. who are they to say, hey, don't take this to help you get a little more stable in your head when their, their life is unmanageable yeah. in other areas? Not to make light of what we're talking about, but, you know, I have some friends that are in recovery, and I always tell them, Stop smoking cigarettes. Oh, yeah, that too. And stop drinking the Red Bulls. That too. <laughs> I see a lot of the young kids, Red Bull cigarettes. Smoking, like, yeah. Oh huge gosh, addiction. Man, they say no. smoking is harder than drugs. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And even sugar, because I was oh, watching yeah, a special. Yeah. Out of 44 rats, 41 of them preferred the sugar water to the cocaine. Really? Yeah, yeah sugar is, <laughs> it is a big drug. You yeah. don't even realize it, man. Salt, sugar, and all that. Um, so you guys are, I'm going to call you like, kind of like the seniors. <laughs> no, we are six years in is more than a half a decade. Oh, I thought you meant um, no, no, age wise. No, no, no. I'm talking about in, in re recovery, you know, um, still early. It's, yeah, still, it's still in, in the scheme of things. It's still so early. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. early, but because Steve just said like in the very beginning, you know, he he didn't have, like I talk about like. Do you remember saying this to me? And that to me is like Don. I was so messed up. Like yeah, yeah. I can honestly say that we're both really just like getting our feet on the ground. Okay. I think anyway. For me anyway. Well, me looking at you, thinking six years. Um, obviously, I don't live with you guys. I don't see the day to day. It's good. You guys have a lot of knowledge and things that you can pass on to other people. Is that something that you participate in now, or something? that's basically what what I do I'm, I think she does the same thing you know she has a different like her girlfriends and sometimes she goes to different fellowships so there are people to help you know like uh, someone new in the room she, you, you have to make them feel comfortable mm -hmm. that's the guy if you don't give him a hug and say how you doing and talk to him he might say well these, these they, they don't accept me because when you do walk in the room you're you're not feeling great. You're feeling like a piece of crap. Right, right. And uh, you want someone to make you feel like you're welcome. So you have to make that newcomer, that's right, what we right, call right. them, feel like they're welcome. And if they see something that's attractive, they wind up staying. And it's, you know, buying into, well, here's a place for me to go and I can make some new friends yeah. and do some things different. So that's the important thing. And I, I, I've been doing that. It was, mm -hmm. it was done to me. And I still do it to this day. Right. That's why I go to different meetings. That's why I'll travel across the river in New Jersey, you know, or go to Morrisville or go up to Delaware County or even conventions. Right. You know, like we're going to a convention at the end of this month. We went to the World Convention and you meet new people. I just came back from Arizona, as you know. I saw people on Zoom meetings and you said earlier, it's better right? we're sitting here and we're yeah. conversing amongst we, we could see each other on zoom yeah, but there's nothing not the like same. sitting in the room exactly. and we see each other and it's more personable mm -hmm. and i think you can have a better friendship with somebody if you see them all the time mm -hmm. and that's what i try to do and as simple as like getting on my phone in the morning and people i see and shooting out a text message good morning have a great day mm -hmm. and the same thing happens to me i have like 20 30 people i do that with 
daily basis. So it not only helps me, it helps them. Right. I go, someone's even saying hello to me. Because when we're, when we're out there using the stuff that you do uh, are not the very spiritual things. Right, right. You know, His so. phone rings all day long. From the time he wakes up, he has people calling. And he's not a phone person. Yeah. But you're becoming one, and he listens a lot. You know, yeah, His phone yeah. rings, and he's always driving pe- people to meetings. And people are always, because he's a good speaker. He has a great message. People mm-hmm. are always saying, you know, can you come speak here? Can you come speak there? And, you know, he puts his recovery before anything. Right. And that's he's, being in service and yeah. giving back. Yeah. He I, said to me last week, or like a month ago, um, I'm putting my recovery first and working on my recovery. Like that comes first now. Because right. I'm all about the fun. I want to always, I'm a child. I want to always be, if I'm off for work, I want to be here. I want to be there. I want to be doing something. Right, right, right. And I said to myself, well, damn, if he's putting his recovery first, what the heck am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know? Because he's in it. Now, I'm in it, but he's like, you know, yeah, yeah, both yeah. feet. Where I'm, I'm in it, but he just... And, and to be honest, I work, you know, and he's retired, so he gets to do yeah, more of that. Yeah, yeah. But I, And that helps me, too, when you're in a um, relationship with somebody, you know, to stay connected and grounded in myself. Mm-hmm. Like he said, I have friends in AA. I have a group of women. AA calls it the herd. So, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. we stay in the herd, so we the stay herd. safe together. We go to dinner on a Friday night, then we go to a meeting. You know, and, and NA is my home, but I I go to AA too because we came from AA, so the step. So to me, it's no difference. Right. You know, the language is a little different, but and he asked me what I what I speak about when I'm there. I speak about living on life terms, dealing with my daughter, dealing with you know setting boundaries, dealing with not saying too much that I don't want to say. I was really nasty to her, and I said some truth to her that she didn't like. But I was told, listen, you could have said it in a more loving, caring way. You know, you didn't have to be your father, how he spoke to you, yeah. you know. That's a learning thing for all humans, you know. We all have to learn. It doesn't matter if you're... Especially when you feel like, you know, you're, you're, you're you at 18 years old and yeah. your dad's trying to give you advice and you're trying to give it to your kid and they're like, but I need to make my own mistakes. Yeah. You want to just like grab your, your 18-year-old self and smack yourself with yeah. it. You could have avoided all this, but... Yeah. I had to make my own mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Um, Unfortunately. I think, I still think this is a good idea for you to do recovery fit. Um, and, and I'm thinking, don't even have to be about money. You know, and, and for those that don't know my idea, I don't really want to say it because somebody's going to steal it. Don't say it. Well, no, no, no. We're gonna, I think that, you know, we should go around to the meetings and everything um, and see if people want to just work out. They don't have to work out at the meeting, but maybe we can have a group of people that come together and have workouts together that are in that community um, and call it Recovery Fit. Um, you guys are doing it on your own uh, already. Why not just build a community around, you know, staying healthy and, and doing it that way? Does that sound like a good idea? No, that's an excellent idea <laughs> because... Steve turned me down. It, 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 it is a good idea, but... Their traditions in the program. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. said they don't want press, radio, films, right. or outside enterprise coming in mm-hmm. because at that point it can change maybe the way they do things. That's what the, that's what they worry about. I could see I could see that. That's why yeah. you got to be careful how you even say that if you can even promote that. Right. So well, it's what if it was something that you built that was separate but people knew that you could get 
if there if there's a way to do it, I think it would be a great idea. Um, we already have. I don't know how many people that are in recovery that come to my gym. Yeah. Um, I think that it. It's just my opinion, and I'm on the outside. I don't really know the culture as much. Um, that if people knew that there was a place that they could come, and it would, you know, be healthy for them, they could be around like-minded people. It's the whole reason why I have a women's boxing class to start with, because they don't want to be around the guys. Right. <laughs> you know, they they want to be amongst themselves. They feel more you know, comfortable. Well, comfortable. the other yeah. piece of that is a lot of people are ready to go to their own gyms. You yeah. know, and their own workouts. You know, so they have. They have I'm trying spots. to get the people that that don't. That oh, okay, I understand that. That just need to be like I don't care, like if they just come in here and just look at us. You know, right. I, that's the kind of people that I. Don't and here's the attraction, to. like you said, there are people in recovery here. Um, uh, you know, uh, my friend Hagab. Yeah. You know, he. I knew he was into some sort of fighting prior to me meeting him. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, I told him I was coming here. Yeah. Or like, you know, there's a few people, John, who just who knew yeah, exactly, either exactly. from him or myself. Yeah. So we talk we talk yeah, about yeah, it, yeah, you know, when we true. when we're when we're sharing our experiences, what are we doing? And we're sharing the good, you know, the positive. Right. And right. then someone says, you know what, I'd like to try that. You know, maybe they want to become a fighter. Yeah. Maybe they just want to get in shape. So people do walk so in So the here. community is already... Yeah, they, 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 they know it. And it's, you know, but it's not like, it's not like how, um, you know, well, the experience, it's my experience of what I'm doing now. But if someone else hears it, say, where is that? Even a woman. Right. I'd like to try that. Definitely. They might come down or maybe they walked in and popped their head in the door. Yeah. So I don't know the, the way you want to promote might be a different I, avenue. Um, well, but, just on my mind, I just would want to direct people, you know, into a healthier lifestyle. But yeah, I'm sure there's a way to. I'm sure there's like, a way to do it. Yeah, I just want to be like, hey guys, I'm right here if you want to come and, and get some help. But the word of mouth, that's how I started this business to start with. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, they say that uh, I can remember being in the rehab and you know people coming in like for yoga or a mm-hmm. workout, and at that point. That, that was like too early where like you know your mind and your body just doesn't connect and right. like you can't even lift your arm because right, you're right, like right. you know but I can see it being um, if we would go into like after people have already been through the detox and a rehab mm-hmm. and maybe doing it that way yeah, yeah. you know and yeah. put incorporating that into uh, their mental health right? because right. a lot of addiction is about mental health yeah. You know, because I can remember them saying, well, are you mentally ill or are you an addict? And I didn't know. And you have to get your mental health correct first. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's easier to put down the drug right. because your mental health is, is focused better. Right. So something like that, I think, would be yeah. another spin on it. We'll figure it out. Yeah. I'll just let Steve keep bringing me new clients. Yeah. <laughs> and he does. He does. He does. He does. He does. I tell him. And I said I was going to get certified a couple times, but I just never did yeah. it. Our old friend, though, uh, we call him Puddles. Joe. Uh, yeah, Joe. Um, he really started it off. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he, he's the one who brought Steve in. Yeah. And Steve I remember. And, yeah. You know, those, and he actually had me at Good Friends. I spoke and uh, told my story about my parents and how I had to do it and everything like that. Um, so ever since that, you know, and, and he must have been here when I was open for about two months uh, or, or three months.
but ever since then I always thought like in my mind um, I'm gonna make this a place for people to come and feel safe and uh, be able to work out be able to talk like we're talking and share um, and what it has done for me is it helped me realize that we're all people you know I knew that already but it, it's not really the substance that uh, it is the substance but people are more than the substance is pretty much what I'm trying 100%. to say and you guys are a testament six years clean um, which almost uh, almost no you're, you're well yeah I guess you have to say almost but to me you're, you're like can't copper is what they say <laughs> right um we're at the end of the episode. Oh, I had a question for you. Oh, though. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So, speaking with us and speaking with other people, mm-hmm. how has it has it helped you with your situ with your? Oh, I don't okay. even know your situation so, or your background. Me, yeah, I'll, I'll say, um, you know, both of my parents were addicted to crack cocaine when I was growing up. My dad obviously was functioning. He was a world champion still. Uh, how does that happen? Uh, I. Mm-hmm. When I was that age, I didn't realize really what was going on until uh, his career started to uh, dwindle and he started to fight just for money. But uh, I, when you're an athlete, you learn how to not do it while you have to perform when you train. And then once you get that time off, uh, you binge, you know, mm-hmm. which is uh, how it happens until that binge turns into a month. And that that month turns into three months, and then you got your manager calling your house saying, "Hey, you got to train," or you know, calling, "Oh, we had a fight for two hundred and fifty thousand, but you're not ready to take it." You know, Um, so those are the kind of things that I went through when I was growing up. Me and my sisters, uh, my dad raised us uh, by himself. When I turned thirteen, my mom had left, uh, and it was all due to drugs. Um, So. I had already in my mind, I was like, I'm not going to do, you know, that, you know, I've had some really bad experiences. I'm over here starting from scratch because my parents uh, behaved the way that they behaved. And and now that I'm 37, I, I look back and I'm like, man, what my dad was doing when he was 37 is totally different <laughs> than what I'm doing. Um, so talking to people, it does help me because it makes me remember everything that I've been through um, and how, you know, not to be that way. And it also helps me be like kind of like a therapist as well. Like I can help people with their problems. So um, having gone through things myself, having talked to people, it's therapy for me and I can be helpful to others. Um, and, and it also helps me have a respect. Somebody that hasn't gone through it, they might look down on uh, someone that has a drug addiction they might look down at that person that's on the corner talking to us, so mm-hmm. not really understanding that there's something much deeper. So uh, opening this gym, working with people that are in recovery has been a good experience educational-wise, spiritually, um, and, and it gives me motivation to do things for that community. We had NA meetings here. We did, um, yeah. And, I'm and, so, I was so excited with that. I'm sad yeah. that it didn't flourish, you know, but... Yeah. So is it? It happens, you know. Um, I'm not really, uh, I'm a businessman. I'm allowed to uh, post and I'm allowed to go on Google right, and, right. and use those tools. It's really a hard avenue, uh, but I understand 
also why you can't advertise, but it's a hard avenue when, when you're working on word of mouth. Word of mouth things take triple the time that it takes for someone that can just be out there talking about it. Um, but look what we're doing. You know, right. We're right here now. When this goes out, it'll be just like another meeting for some people. Hopefully the right person sees it and they'll look at YouTube and be like, they got six years, you know, they talked about all these things and, and I can do it now, you know, they gave me the motivation. Um, but what I was gonna say is this is the point of the show where I let my guests say something to the world, no matter what it is, it doesn't even have to be recovery related, it just has to be your message to I'm gonna let Steve go first and let you think about what you want to say. Thank <laughs> so you. I, I think this is a great interview, and you know, it's um, with three of us sitting here. At least we we can think back because if we forget where we came from, it's destined to happen again. You forget the pain that we we're in when we were younger or when we were in active addiction. So. It's a reminder for me. I don't want to go back that way. So, uh, great show. And, and the last thing I'll say, you know, when I get up and I and I speak today, I tell the truth. I don't add to the truth because when you add to the truth, you subtract from the truth. And I'll end with that. Okay. I think I want to um, reveal that when I came in, I didn't know that it was on video <laughs> and um, when I saw it was on video I, of course I wanted to have my hair done and some nice clothes on and we, we've we seen you your hair done and nice clothes on you clean up very well um, <laughs> but you know revealing ourselves um, is very therapeutic Definitely. and self acceptance is something that I struggle with and so Part of me was going to say, like, let's wait, you know, but part of recovery is doing things that are uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I struggle with um, body image and um, self-esteem, as, as a lot of addicts do suffer, suffer mm -hmm. with self-esteem. And um, I'm really grateful that I was able to um, accept who I am. And so the message is, I think, that, you know, self-acceptance, self-love and self-care is very huge for addicts you know i have a lot of friends that tell me um self-love self-care meaning you know eating healthy uh working out don't do you know don't take drugs you know be spiritual pray to god you know and i find that when i'm kinder to myself i can be kinder to, to yeah, others exactly. so that's my message nice. yeah um what we'll have to do is we'll give you another <laughs> chance but I would like for you to bring on your daughters if you can. I will. Um, because I feel like me and your daughters can have a lot to relate about uh, when it comes to recovery and drug addiction as well. For sure. Um, maybe all of us can sit down at the table uh, and we can all talk. I think that that would be a good way to end it. We can make sure you know that it's on video. So <laughs> you can get your movie started. Thanks for having us No on. problem. Thank so, you very much. Pleasure. Uh, Pleasure. Yeah. So that's the Young Black Suburban. If you liked our episode today, please like, share, and subscribe.